the Come Follow Him podcast. This podcast is created by the Boise Nampa Institute of Religion for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Here, we hope to help young adults find relevant principles each week as they study the assigned Come Follow Me scripture block as outlined by the church. This episode is simply two institute teachers talking about what they see in the scriptures that might be relevant to your life. It is not intended to speak for the church or to definitively define doctrines or policies. Any opinions shared here are just that, our opinions, as we have learned to come follow Him. I'm your host, Matt Swenson. Let's jump in. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, it's good to be with you again this week. Uh, I am here with uh, Brother Matt Featherstone. Brother Featherstone, welcome. Thank you. It's, it's good, good to be here. Good to have you. We uh, we are good friends, Brother Featherstone and I. We uh, worked in the same building for uh, some period of time. Was it two years? Two, yeah, three something years? Like something like that. And Brother Featherstone was the principal of the school that I was uh, teaching seminary at, and um, and he continues that in that role at a different school now, and uh, doing a lot of uh, a lot of good things around the valley. So, Brother Featherstone, welcome and. Um, Tell us just about your family. Tell about you, your family. Well, I've been teaching seminary and institute off and on uh, for 18 years now. Mm-hmm. And I went to Capitol High School here locally. Cool. My wife is originally from Utah, but we've been here in the Valley for quite some time. We have four children, and they go to uh, schools in the West Data School District in CUNA. And uh, just wonderful kids, three boys and a girl, and mm. uh, just living a great life. That's cool. Uh, you have, a, in the LDS world, a famous grandfather. That's true. That's true. Your last name's a Featherstone, right? Yeah. Not many of my seminary students know about him. Though, interestingly enough, a, a student walked in class the other day holding one of his books. Uh. So, yeah, Von J. Featherstone is my grandfather. And <laughs> and uh, he and my, my grandmother, Merlene, they just are people of faith, just like you expect. They yeah. follow the prophet and bless their hearts. They continue to do that from the other side of the veil, but yeah. set a... Legacy of faith, no question for our family, and I'm grateful for him. Very cool, very cool. So um, we uh, excited to talk with you today. The, the scripture block is a pretty large block, but I think we can generally stay in one place um, as as it's kind of covered in all the different blocks. So the the block this week is Joseph Smith Matthew 1, 24 and twenty five, and then Mark twelve through thirteen and Luke twenty one. But uh, as we were talking before, maybe we can stay primarily in Joseph and Matthew to kind of cover what's covered everywhere. Though, if you're listening to this, I encourage you to read everything and, and study everything. And as always, don't take what we do here as, as all of it um, or even really what it is actually. Maybe it's different and we're just, this is just our thoughts and opinions on it. So, um, so Brother Featherstone, let's just start. Tell me where we should start. Where do you want to jump in? Um, I'll just turn it over to you. Okay. Well, first of all, I just want to thank you for the opportunity. It's been fun preparing for this and learning more about the second coming. So I appreciate what you just said. This is a starting point, really. As I prepared, the first lesson that I reviewed said, you're going to learn about the second coming for the rest of the week. Mm -hmm. And so if this is all we cover, this Mm -hmm. is a great starting point to begin our study about the second coming. And in that preparation, I found two questions that really stood out to me. The first one is, what attitude do you think the Savior wants you to have about His coming? Hmm. And the second is, which of Jesus Christ's words help you to love and trust Him? Hmm. 
And so that, that first question about the attitude reminded me of a book that uh, Gerald Lund wrote, The Second Coming of the Lord. Mm -hmm. And in the preface, he points out that there are many dreadful things that we think about when we think about the second coming. Yeah. In fact, he said most people, when they say, hey, what do you know about the second coming? They start talking about pestilence right. and famine and scary things. Sure. And so in his book, he intentionally divided it into chapters and two sections. Mm -hmm. Just to point out, even in the table of contents, that you could see that five chapters are about dreadful things, sure. and there's no avoiding them. They are not going to be fun things. Yeah. They are scary things sure. and things we need to be prepared for. But then there's eight chapters about positive, glorious, wonderful, mm. miraculous things. Yeah. And that's what we should be thinking about. So for me, that's where I started with is what attitude does the Savior want me to have? Man, he wants me to be positive. Yeah. He wants me to look forward to his coming sure. and to be believing in those miracles. And uh, so I might just share this now and maybe again uh, later in our discussion towards the end. But it, thinking of that reminded me of President Nelson, his first conference as a prophet in 2018. He said, our Savior and Redeemer, Jesus Christ, will perform some of his mightiest works between now and when he comes. Mm -hmm. We will see miraculous indications that God the Father and His Son Jesus Christ preside over this church in majesty and glory. But in coming days, it will not be possible to survive spiritually without the guiding, directing, comforting, and constant influence of the Holy Ghost. Yeah. And so as I thought of that, I thought, even we're led by a prophet who after all of this time on earth is saying, look forward to the future. Yeah. There are going to be miraculous things that witness of our Savior Jesus Christ and His power and His glory and of our Heavenly Father. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and you know, I think when I heard that for the first time, I I thought, wow, some of the most miraculous things that I can think of are parting the Red Sea. Um, I mean, some massive things that, and I think, how does that look in our day? What what would it look like? And then I started thinking, maybe it isn't that type of physical thing that's going to be done, um, but the turning of millions of hearts to Christ. I mean, those are miracles, right? Where where the gospel can be spread to huge numbers of people and we can actually be effective in the gathering. And, and I wonder in God's eyes, what are miracles that we should be looking for? Um, when I look at things with an eternal perspective, it's cool that the ocean gets split in half, right? But, mm -hmm. but eternally, it's way more cool that millions of his children come back and find him yeah. and, and find their path back, right? Absolutely. So, so I think as we, as we think, that, think about that quote and the mighty miracles, which I don't disagree, and I think there will be some, um, some very physical things, but, but maybe we need to temper those physical things with... Uh, the spiritual things that probably God's intending us to be looking for. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, no question. You know, these two questions really go together, right? When you think about the attitude the Savior wants us to have and then the, His words that help us to trust Him and yeah. love Him more, right? right? Yeah. So a few of them that I found in Joseph Smith Matthew include, see that ye be not troubled, mm. right? He that shall not be overcome, the same shall be saved. Mm. My word shall not pass away, but all shall be fulfilled. Hopeful. 
right? They're, yeah. yeah, they're very hopeful. It's look forward to this. It's it's know the signs. Hmm. Yeah, uh, and, and and I'm looking just at verse 11. Uh, he that remaineth steadfast and is not overcome, the same shall be saved. Right? Yeah. I mean that there's there's a there's a requirement on us that we are steadfast. There is an expectation that we know the things that are going to happen and 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 maybe fear them. Mm-hmm. To some level, right? I mean, otherwise, why the five chapters? Why the sure. why all the warnings? And it, it's one of the things that maybe you and I have talked about before. But sometimes I think in in Sunday school and seminary and institute, we we read the scriptures and we look at the we look for the blessings because we're we're grateful for the blessings. Um, but we stop reading verses that um, that have the blessing at the beginning and the consequence for. Hmm. Things at the end, we do, we just don't read the consequence because we just want to focus on the on the blessing at the beginning. But that's not how the Lord teaches. He teaches us with the consequence. He teaches us with the negative that's going to come from the from the uh, second coming. Right? He puts all that together. He puts it in front of us. He doesn't just teach us the happy and fluffy and shiny stuff. Yeah. He gives us all of it so that we're prepared for it. I mean, we need to be aware of it and prepared for it, but but not to be afraid of it. Not to be yeah. uh, not to let that that. Uh, uh, anxiety maybe about the second coming take over and and have that be what we think about instead of the wonderful things that are going to happen. That's a good point. Yeah, because we tend to human nature, understandably, we prepare for those things that can hurt us, right? Yeah. Or that we need to be worried about, yeah. like a, a devastating storm that's coming. Sure. We pay attention to that more than if the news said, "Hey, tomorrow's going to be perfect weather." Right. We might plan something fun to go do, but most of the time, as far as getting our attention, it's no wonder that those things kind of stick with us. Right, yeah. But we do need to look forward to the future. And I just hope that people listening will especially pay attention to promptings of the Holy Ghost that help them know how do they individually need to prepare? How can they look forward in a more positive and hopeful way to His coming? And how can they be more familiar with His signs, not in a... You know, devastating, right, dreadful way, but in a positive, hopeful. I'm looking forward to his coming. I'm right. in the spirit of President Nelson's words, looking for those miraculous indications sure. that God, our Heavenly Father, and His Son Jesus Christ preside over His church, yeah. and they love their children, and they're helping us and blessing us as we navigate our lives. In fact. When you first got here, we were talking about, uh, you know, what will it be like yeah. when he comes? Like, what, what is that going to look like? Right. And one thing that stood out to me in Joseph Smith Matthew 1, uh, verses 41 through 43, they say, But as it was in the days of Noah, so it shall be also at the coming of the Son of Man. Huh. For it shall be with them as it was in the days which were before the flood, for until the day that Noah entered into the ark, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage. Huh. And I just stopped and thought, why is he talking about marriage? Why like, that? Yeah, what's yeah, going like, on? <laughs> okay, so before the flood, they're, but you think about they're having fun. You think about a marriage party. They're celebrating. And then it occurred to me, they're preparing for the future. Yeah. They have long-term plans still in their minds right. and their hearts. And we should be doing that too. Right, you pointed yeah. that out earlier. We should we should be preparing with joy yeah. and hope in the future. We most certainly should because we're going to witness some of the Savior's greatest miracles. Yet to me it was an indication that maybe it's not 
what sometimes we think it's going to be yeah. that everyone's hiding in a bunker somewhere and we all <laughs> right the, you know and it's not anybody that. that didn't get in the bunkers got flies all over them yes. maggots and, from yeah, right it's, it's, <laughs> but that we're living our lives still in a way and i mean he ends the the next verse where they're giving in marriage and knew not until the flood came yeah and took them away and that's how his coming will be we need to continue living our lives and if we can have that kind of attitude that i think the savior wants us to have then we're doing what President Nelson is doing. True. We're looking for those positive, wonderful, miraculous things yeah. that we're witnessing. I mean, come on, in our lifetime alone, we've <laughs> gone from a minute number of temples sure. to 300. Right. I mean, somewhere in that number, yeah. right? But that seems impossible. Yeah, I remember I was on my mission when the 100th temple okay. was announced. So, so that was 200 temples ago in less than... Mm, like 20 years, in like 20 That's years. That's crazy. It's nuts, Yeah. right? We, we had a hundred We had a hundred temples in the first almost 200 years, and then we've had 200 temples in the last 20 years. That's insane, right? And, yeah. and I think you're right. I think we, we look at uh, the second coming as this future event that is, is going to happen on a Thursday, right? We're going to wake up right. and, and like, and, and for sure there will be a day where Christ comes back, sure. right? But, but the plagues and the things that, that will happen are not things that are all going to just happen one day and then we're like, oh, this must be when Jesus comes back, right? Because if that's how it rolled out, everybody on earth would be like, oh, this is exactly what the Bible's talking about. The moon is blood, and there are locusts everywhere, and there are flies on me, and I have a, there's a plague on me, and all these, the, all the war, this giant war started on Thursday, and right, we, we just think of it as like, oh man, the day that the second coming begins, we will be, we will recognize it, and it will be horrible. But I, but I think there's a lot of value in recognizing that probably uh, the things that are prophesied of have already begun. Um, we know that many of the things that scripturally, at least biblically, um, were prophesied, uh, those things are done and have been fulfilled. And, and we'll share a couple things here, I'm sure. But, but just let me, let me pause that conversation. I just want to put yeah. in context where Matthew 1 comes in, right? Because... Jesus is speaking with the scribes and the Pharisees. Um, he's kind of warning them, you're going to be the ones responsible for killing prophets and, and this is all going to land on you guys if you don't repent and come back. So by the time we're at the end of um, Matthew chapter 23, um, he says, uh, this is Christ speaking, Verily I say unto you, all these things shall come upon this generation, speaking of the, the second coming generation, our generations probably, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stonest them which are sent unto thee, how oft would I have gathered thee, this is famous, right, we, we know these verses, thy children together, even as a hen gathers her chickens under her wings, her chicks and under her wings, and ye would not. Behold, your house is left unto you desolate, for I say unto you, you shall not see me henceforth, till ye shall say, Blessed is he that come in the name of the Lord. End chapter 23 of Matthew. Well, that's exactly where Matthew chapter, Joseph Smith Matthew 1 picks up. It is him saying, you're not going to see me again until I come back. Now, Joseph Smith Matthew takes over and says, here's the things you're going to see, right? And I think, I just think that context is important because Joseph Smith Matthew, because it's the first thing we have in, in the back of the triple combination, mm -hmm. seems like it's chapter 1. Well, no, it's in the middle of this discussion that he's having in chapter 23 through, you know, chapter 24 um, in there. So, anyway, context, I think, I think yeah, is, is great, helpful. Great insight. Absolutely. But um, let's keep going. What, what, other, what other things, maybe we stay on the, 
Let's stay on some of the, I don't know, is, is there a discussion to have about the fearful things? Is there, a, is there anything you want to touch on that, you know, we should just reference or recognize? And I'd rather end on the sure. hopeful things, right? So if there's anything to discuss there, let's, let's do that now. Yeah, well, I think some of the things that stood out to me would be, you know, a flood coming. Yeah. I mean, that's, we don't talk, we don't have a record of it, right. but we can imagine sure. how terrible that was. Yeah. You have uh, parables in Joseph Smith Matthew that indicate how the coming of the Son of Man will not be exactly a wonderful thing. Mm-hmm. One of those in verses 49 through 54. Now, this one's a great one because it really says, well, if you're prepared and you're living the way you should be living, then it's going to be great. Yeah. But if not, if you've wasted those days of your preparation, then it's not going to be wonderful. Yeah. And so it says at the beginning, or in verse 49, who then is a faithful and wise servant whom his Lord hath made ruler over his household to give them meat in due season? Hmm. Took me a minute to figure that. Give him meat. What's he talking yeah. about? Okay, if he's over the household, you're feeding everybody. You're taking care of business, yeah. right? You are. You're the governor of the property, right. so you take care of you're things. You're the steward, right? Sure. So you're doing a great job. The next verse makes a lot of sense. Blessed is that servant, whom his lord, when he cometh, shall find so doing. So if you're doing that, verily I send to you, he shall make him ruler over all his goods. Hmm. So here's a servant who has taken the opportunity to serve in God's kingdom, to take care of his children, and honorably doing so, he will be rewarded hmm. positively at his second coming. But on the other side, he says, if you're an evil servant and you say in your heart, my Lord delayeth his coming. Oh, he's not coming yet. I got time, right? And you start to smite your fellow servants, so you mistreat them. You eat and drink and become drunken, right? He says, oh, when the Lord comes, and here's an interesting thing, you won't be ready, hmm. right? He says, the Lord of, the, of that servant shall come in a day when he looketh not for him. Hmm. And so it's as much about our preparation and that we're looking for him and how we're living. He says, I'm gonna, he's going to come for that servant in an hour that he is not aware. Yeah, I, I, I'm so glad you said that and, and took us there. I, my brain has been going to something that Joseph Smith said right connected to that. You know, I think there are so many of us that think and are afraid that it could be tomorrow and I don't know. And because of a couple of verses in, in the scriptures where um, Christ says, no man knoweth mm-hmm. um, the time or day of my coming. Um, Joseph Smith said something really interesting there. Um, in an article, let's see, there's a, in the Old Testament st- student manual, the Institute student manual, uh, the Prophet Joseph Smith's use of the Old Testament. There's a there's a kind of a blurb in there about how he used the Old Testament and what he said about it. And let me just read a couple little things because I think it ties right in with what you're saying. Um, it says, The Prophet Joseph Smith believed in a rigorous adherence to the literal meaning of the biblical text. What is the rule of interpretation, he asked. That's a quote. And then, quote, Just no interpretation at all. It should be understood precisely as it is read. End quote. An example of this was his use of Amos 3.7. Sure, the Lord, the Lord God will do nothing, but he revealeth his secrets unto the servants of the prophets. He used that to refute speculation about the date of, a, of the second coming. In the early 1840s, uh, there was a guy named um, William Miller 
who said he thought he knew when the second coming was going to happen. It was going to be 1843, and he had all these followers. And Joseph said, uh, he has not seen the sign of the Son of Man, this is a quote, as foretold by Jesus, neither has any man. For the Lord hath not shown me any such sign, and as the prophet saith, so must it be. Um, Surely the Lord God will do nothing. Then he quotes that again. He says, therefore hear this, O earth, the Lord will not come to reign over this righteous the righteous in this world in 1843, nor until everything for the bridegroom is ready, end quote. Of the Savior's words that no man knows the day or the hour of his coming, quote, the prophet said, did Christ speak this as a general principle throughout all generations? I'm continuing to quote, oh no, he spoke in the present tense. No man that was then living upon the footstool of God knew the day or the hour, but he did not say that there was no man throughout all generations that should not know the day or the hour. No, for this would be in flat contradiction with other scripture. For the prophet says that God will do nothing, but he reveal unto his servants the prophets. Consequently, if it is not made known unto the prophets, it will not come to pass. So, Joseph very much clarifies just what you were sharing, that this type of a servant who is flippant about it and not looking for him and not not aware will not see him, will not be ready. But for those of us that hear a prophet say, we're in the last days of the latter days, or time is running out, Mm -hmm. or, I mean, some of the stuff that President Nelson said, when you understand it like that, and recognize who I should be looking to to point me to Christ, to help me see the way, it's the living prophet, whoever that is, is the guy that's going to be most read in on the experiences that are coming. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I appreciate how prophet seers and rebel, <clears throat> excuse me, revelators have reminded us that the doctrine's not hard to find. No. And when we hear that message in numerous talks, not only from the prophet, from other people we stay in as prophet seers and revelators, yeah. we're... We're being taught, yeah, right, from right. the Lord about our preparations. And we need to be looking for those signs, yeah. right? If we don't, like this evil servant, we'll be caught in a way that we, you know, we're looking, we're not even looking, we're not even part yeah. of that. And the warning you said, well, what's the, you know, what should we talk about the scary things? To me, I mean, does not sound fun. Cut him asunder. <laughs> Sounds terrible, right? Right. In other words, and he says, don't be a hypocrite. Right? Weeping and gnashing of teeth. I mean, all of that just sounds horrible. But what is that? Is that, to me, I think of times when I haven't really been striving to follow the Savior. When I've had to repent and change. And it does cut you asunder. It does cause you to recognize where you're being a hypocrite, where you need to change. You do weep. And... You have to turn to the Lord and ask for help. And there's going to be a point when, because it's about becoming, there's going to be a point where you just haven't prepared yourself, right? Yeah. right? If we're pointing towards Him and we're striving, even in our imperfections, like Nephi said, right? right. I have sins that so easily beset me. Nevertheless, I know in whom I have trusted. Yeah. We'll be able to say, man, I trust the Savior. I've done all I can to follow Him. Listen to the prophets. But if not... We're going to be caught off guard. I mean, the the uh, parable referring to Noah, you've got this parable yeah. here, the one that's more commonly known, right? And Matthew 1 as well, 46 through 48, looking for a thief. If you knew the thief was coming, you would have watched. Yeah. But you'll, he'll come like a thief in the night, not like he's stealing us away, right. but just that we would have been prepared 
had we known, yeah. right? And so he says, look for those signs back in Matthew 1, 38 and 39. Look for the fig tree. Apparently the Savior and everyone that lived then knew that when the fig tree got leaves, yeah. summer was upon us. Right. And as I thought about that, I thought, okay, everyone that's lived in the Mountain West, when the, the leaves turn red and yellow, no one's wondering, is it summer? Is it still summer? Is it spring now? Is it, yeah, the, hey, it's fall, right? <laughs> right yeah. when, the, when the snow starts to fall, no one's thinking, hey, man, is it going to be summer yeah. next week? Yeah. Or I mean, we have certain signs that apparently for them, I think it was like him saying to us, hey, when the leaves turn, you know it's fall. Yeah. And you need to know the signs. And if you will pay attention and seek to follow me, listen, as you said to the prophets. Yeah. You're going to know, you're going to be aware, yeah. you're not going to know exactly the day, maybe, but you're going to be prepared, <laughs> and I just love that promise, right, back in, in 49 and 50, that that servant will be blessed, yeah. that you will be blessed to rule over all his goods, yeah. that you will be looking for that Savior, for that Redeemer, to restore you, not only to what we have, right, that's not the promise, it's that he will bless us to receive what he can only receive. Right. And we'll just express gratitude that he's included us. We'll yeah. just be weeping in a positive way, saying thank you yeah. for what you're offering me yeah, and what I, you've done for me. I really love that. I, I think that weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth concept that you know that, that we read about in here is um, for sure we can see it on our, in our individual lives. It was interesting last week I was looking at just some analytics of this podcast. Mm -hmm. We've got f at least four people that have pushed play on this podcast in the Ukraine. And I think, holy cow, <laughs> four people in such a war-torn place right now. If you're listening out there, our, our hearts and prayers and thoughts are with you. Um, we, we don't really in the United States see probably the destruction that's going on around the rest of the world and the yeah. weeping and the wailing and the gnashing of teeth. But I think we can see um, culturally some shifts, some changes, right? You look at politics and nobody, nobody is talking anymore. Everybody's just yelling at each other mm -hmm. and if there's gnashing of teeth, it's that, right? I mean, it, no and, and so what, what, what would it look like in a culture for that to be existing? I, I don't know that it could be different than what it is now. I think that's it. And, and at the same time, I think, <clears throat> maybe we've touched on this already, but I think we look forward to this event, right? We, we, th we always put it out in front of us, and we forget that there's so much of it that probably has already happened, um, that since the, since the restoration of the church and, and the great um, advancements in technology and, um, and invention, um, there has also come some of the things that the, that the Lord prophesied would be negative, mm -hmm. um, and we don't we don't look for we don't look for those things in our past. We look for them always in the future. Um, one of them that stands out to me would would you look at verse twelve in Joseph Smith Matthew? Um, when you therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet concerning the destruction of Jerusalem, then you shall stand in holy place in the holy place. Whoso readeth them, let, let him understand. <laughs> well, I think I love that he's saying, let him understand at the end of this verse. It's like, I have no idea what the heck you just said. But a study of that phrase, abomination of desolation, is really a reference to a, a horrific event that would happen to the Jewish people three times. The first time was when they were taken captive. Babylonian captivity, taken captive. Second time was 70 years after 
Christ's birth, when Christ's no longer on the earth and Troy comes in and, and decimates Jerusalem. We know there's going to be a third time. Well, okay, it's possible that there will be another horrific experience that the Jewish people have to go through, or we go back to the 1940s and we look at the Holocaust and we say, oh, maybe that's the next, the third abomination of right. desolation, right? It, sometimes I think we think all of these events have to be in our future because I don't recognize them. And because I don't recognize them as events, they must, and they're not bad enough for me, then, and they don't, they don't match the image I have in my head of plagues. Sure. Well, what the heck is a, is a worldwide pandemic? Or the plague right. that happened in the early 1900s. I mean, what, what are those things if they're not prophecy fulfilled um, uh, about what will happen prior to Christ's second coming? It's not Thursday before Christ comes, all these things are going to happen and you're going right. to see it and recognize it. Um, there was a, a Joseph Fielding Smith at the end of the 1900s um, said that the destroying angels had been being held back um, in preparation for Christ's coming, but they have now been loosed. Mm -hmm. And then he says, you will see, and I'm not quoting here, but um, I should look this up, but uh, he says, you will see in a, a, a great increase in the amount of wars and rumors of war uh, from mm -hmm. this time forward. And, and all of that would be part of the great and final battle. Well, look, we've had World War I, World War II, Vietnam, all, and you look at the history of war, and, and maybe it's just because we know more about them because of communications, but, but from the 1900s to now, the, the, the graph is almost a straight-up graph yeah. in increase in wars, right? Well, and contention that you mentioned earlier, and you think of war, if we only define war as physical battle, right. then could it also be we have techno technology war going on all the time right now, right? right? We have, you and I were told how many months ago, hey, you have to put in two-step verification. You need to change your password to <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> some astronomical number of characters in these feeds, right? Why is that happening? Because sure. we, have, we have people on the earth that are striving to cause chaos. They yeah. are not doing what the Savior would have them do, right. sadly. And I think the Savior would still right, send that message that he loves and cares for all of us. It yeah. made me think when you mentioned you, uh, Ukraine and what's happening in that part of the world and how many places in the world things like that are taking place. My neighbors are from Ukraine. They had some relatives move in with them for mm -hmm. a time just this school year. Mm -hmm. And I thought of the courage the young people had, well, the whole family, but those young kids knowing no English really sure, right. and going into an elementary school within like wow. a week of being here Holy cow. and the faith they had to do that. And here's this very Christian wonderful family who is doing all they can just to hold on to their loved ones. And that's just one example sure. of who knows how many yeah. that, that we're not aware of, yeah. right? It just makes me think of our Heavenly Father's efforts to not only gather His children, right, but also to me, you know, when I read about these terrible, dreadful things, and I'm, maybe I'm wrong here, but my personal opinion on this is the Lord knows what's going to happen. And so to me, it's him more describing kind of, you know, hey, based on what's happening in the world, based on what I, all the details I know, here are the consequences they're going to carry out. Yeah. It's not even as much him predicting things yeah. or saying, he's saying, my children are going to choose this. Yeah. And I know 
where that leads. And you say, when you see this happening, hey, we're getting closer because I know where this is, how this is right. going to develop. Yeah. And so, like you said, there are things that have been possibly already fulfilled that sure. we just kind of miss. And are we overlooking some things that are happening already that yeah. when we really think about you know, a time in the scriptures like 4th Nephi, mm-hmm. but we certainly don't live then. Right. I mean, it describes a time that seems impossible. Sure. When you compare where we live and how we live, even though we, we do live in a wonderful place, obviously, mm-hmm. here in Idaho, and, and so many wonderful places across the earth that are still safe, sure. and people are kind and honorable, and so many good things happening amongst our Heavenly Father's children everywhere. And yet there are things that are more like other parts of the Book of Mormon that right. you say, man, I wouldn't want to live then. You know, I remember as a kid thinking, that, that part of the book where it says you had to have your hands on all your stuff right, or it'd be or taken. Just, yeah. And I remember thinking, that would be horrible. <laughs> and now it's like everything's got to have a lock on yeah. it. Everything's got to right. have a, an alarm, right? Yeah. And, and again, even where we live, it's not even that bad. But I want to come back to the angels. Elder Anderson said this. You mentioned the angels because we have kind of both sides of this coin, right? We have, yeah, a lot of destruction, a lot of terrible things, but... This back to those questions, maybe to, just as a reminder, right? I, I just think it's so powerful to think about what attitude does the Savior want us to have about His coming, and what do we learn from Him, His example, His words that help us to love and trust Him? Like, what do we really, what do we really learn? Elder Anderson said, "Well, we do not know when He will come. The events of His return will be breathtaking." Hmm. I mean, just think of that. I mean, that's His yeah. explanation. He will come in the clouds of heaven in majesty and glory with all his holy angels, not just a few angels, but all his holy angels. These are not the cherry-cheeked cherubim painted by Raphael found on our Valentine's cards. These are the angels of the centuries, the angels sent to shut the mouths of lions, to open prison doors, to announce his long-awaited birth, to comfort him in Gethsemane, to assure his disciples at his ascension, and to open the glorious restoration of the gospel. Can you imagine being caught up to meet him, whether on this side or the other side of the veil? That is his, prom- that is his promise to the righteous. This amazing experience will mark our souls forever. Yeah. I mean, that's how he's thinking about yeah. it. That's how I want to think about Positive it. Positive and, and, yeah. and uplifting, right? I, I, I quoted Joseph Fielding Smith earlier, or I didn't quote him, but since then I've looked him up. Um, Speaking of those destroying angels, these are now. This is the quote. These are now at work in the earth on this uh, uh, on the earth. Sorry, these are now at work in the earth on their sacred mission. These destroying angels. These four destroying angels. In uh, 1894, uh, Wilford Woodruff said, um, "Those angels have left the portals of heaven. They stand over this people and this nation now and are hovering over the earth." waiting to pour out the judgments, and from this day, very day they shall be poured out. Calamities and troubles are increasing in the earth, and there is a meaning to these things. Remember this, and reflect upon these matters. I, I think, again, and maybe this is a good transition point, going from the, the f- scary stuff to the really cool and positive stuff. <clears throat> I think about um, that, uh, that idea that, that we really are in kind of a scary time. And, and I want to I read another quote, and then I want to turn it over to you to share some positive okay. things with us. Yeah. Um, I remember sitting in the, um, I think it was a priesthood session with President Nelson uh, in October of, 20, of 2001. Uh, I was 
probably just back, just married. We just, I, my wife and I had just gotten married. And President, Nelson, or President Hinckley said this, the era in which we live is the fullness of time spoken of in the scriptures, when God has brought together all of the elements of previous dispensations. From the day that he and his beloved son manifest themselves to the boy Joseph, there has been a tremendous cascade of enlightenment poured out upon the world. The hearts of men have turned to their fathers in fulfillment of the words of Malachi. The vision of Joel has been fulfilled wherein he declared. Now, I'm going to read this because he talks about the positive and then throws some negative stuff in at the end. And President Hinckley says, this has been fulfilled. He says, he says, the vision of Joel has been fulfilled, wherein he declared, and listen to the positive, it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. What else are missionaries doing, right? Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And also upon the servants and upon the handmaids in those days will I pour out my spirit. And I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness <clears throat> and the moon into blood. Okay, we've got two uh, solar eclipses that happen within 20 years of each other now. We had one mm -hmm. four or five years ago. We'll have another one in a couple, four or five more years. <clears throat> President Hinckley is saying these things have been fulfilled. This was in 2001. The moon shall turn to blood. That prophecy is done. It's over, fulfilled. Don't look for that anymore. President Hinckley said it's done, right? Again, it's another reference to some of the horrible things that we're looking, we're living in, we've already experienced, we've already had. The Holocaust happened. Maybe there's going to be more that happened to, happens in Jerusalem, but we can't discount that those horrible events have already begun and already started. But at the same time, while he includes the, the moon turning to blood and the sun darkening before the great and terrible day of the Lord, um, he also includes all the positive things that the hearts will turn. He says, he finishes this in Joel. He says, it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be delivered. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem shall be deliverance, as the Lord has said, and in the remnant who the Lord shall call. That's Joel 2, chapter 2. Anyway, I, I just think he himself includes the negative with the positive. And those negatives, so many of them are already done. Uh, we need maybe to be a little less fearful about yeah. what's coming. No question. And I think of the, <clears throat> back to Joseph Smith, Matthew 1, 25 and 26. Wherefore, if they shall say unto you, Behold, he is in the desert, go not forth. Behold, he is in the secret chambers, believe it not. For as the light of the morning cometh out of the east, and shineth even unto the west, and covereth the whole earth, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. I mean, the Son of Man of holiness. Yeah. And I just think about the Savior's coming, right? It's not going to be a secret for nope. those who are looking, those yep. who are seeking to worship Him, to serve Him, to live lives like He lived, to, yep. I mean, striving, right? With all of our might, mind, and strength that we will see, we will know, like the light of the sun covers the whole earth, yeah. we will know. And we can prepare ourselves in positive ways. As I think of, we talked about temples before, you know, in our lifetime to see the number of temples on the earth the opportunities we have to gather our family history in a way unlike ever before. Yeah. To participate in temple work where we can, I mean, we're just barely beginning this process as well. Like what, what will family mm. history look like in 10 years mm. as far as collecting data yeah. and analyzing data? Will our time mainly be spent 
Just yeah. going to the temple? Right. Well, that, is that what we'll be asked to do? It probably will be. Sure. Because we won't, like, even my own mother traveled to a, another state. Other people I know have traveled across our country or to far-reaching countries sure. just to walk through a cemetery yeah. or to go to an old right to collection of of data to sort through papers and see if they could find a birthday or right. something. Yeah. And yet all of that's being digitized. Yeah. And the, the way that we'll be able to do our family history, will we be spending our time in the temple in such a sacred place and temples now dotting the land and places yeah. where people say, hey, they already have one. I mean, to just mention one from Idaho, all, all of our fans out there in Burley, <laughs> right? But yeah. seriously, yeah. when they said, and in Burley, <laughs> well, that's an evidence to me of the Lord saying, hey, where the saints are ready, yep. I'm bringing them a house of the Lord. Right. Where you have shown that you're attending, where you are showing that you can, right, you're prepared to receive a temple yeah. and run a temple and provide this work, we're bringing temples to you. Yeah. And it's just a miraculous thing to think that's just one symbol of our Heavenly Father's love that President Nelson referred to. Right? To me, that's one of those indications of our Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ presiding over the church. Yeah. You mentioned temples in, uh, on your mission. So 1995, <laughs> if I remember correctly, there were 47 temples on the earth. Mm. President Hinckley announced that, and as Elder Bednar clarified later, that they'd already discussed smaller temples and mm -hmm. taking temples to the people. Yep. It was really about the timing right. that President Hinckley said, it's time to take the temples to the people. Yep. 47 temples, and he said, by the year 2000, we will have 100. Yeah. I still think about that and think, how is that even possible right. yeah. to build that many temples in five years? When you consider that's more than existed, right? Right. Since 1830 right. to 1995, <laughs> he's saying we're going to build more than we've built. And I thought, okay, we'll get yeah. there and it will slow down. And if anything, it's sped up. It's yeah, it's hastened. Right. <laughs> we're we're seeing this work. And in places, let me tell you, a neighbor that has served numerous tours in the Middle East, and when President uh, Nelson announced a temple in the Middle East mm -hmm. and in China at the same time. Mm -hmm. He immediately came over to my house and he said, I know everyone's going to be talking about China. <laughs> I can't even believe what I just heard. In the Middle East. A temple in, and that they're asking. He's like, I can't even wrap my brain around mm -hmm. what we just heard. Mm -hmm. And now we're seeing, if you follow church news, apostles in that country regularly yeah. visiting with people, yeah. preparing that country to receive a house of the Lord. Right. Who's going to staff that temple? Yeah. <laughs> right? Who's going to who, who's be the temple president? Who, sure. who are going to be the, uh, right, the temple workers? Great question. What will that look like? And yet, to me, that's one of those, right, evidences of God working in his majesty and glory and power. Those mighty miracles that he will Absolutely. do in the last days, mightier than anything he's ever done before. Again. The way that we communicate. Yeah. I mean, we take it for granted now, but, <laughs> I mean, come on. We used to watch movies and say, oh yeah, beam me up Scotty, right? <laughs> right? And you'd think that was amazing. And then you see a new one, you're like, you probably should have upgraded that because that's not as cool as my smartphone. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, <laughs> at least there should have been a hologram coming out of it or something, right? I mean, we're taking some things that not so long ago seemed impossible. Yeah. And they are miraculous, especially in the context of the sharing of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yeah. If you put in the context of our Heavenly Father saying, the hour is near, Yeah. right? He is going to reach out in a way that sounds strange in this verse. Can I mention a verse? Yeah, as I read it, I thought, why would he choose this? Sure. Right, Matthew, so Joseph Smith, Matthew 1, uh, 27. Yeah. And now I show unto you a parable. Behold, whosoever, or wheresoever, excuse me, 
uh, the carcasses, there will the eagles be gathered together. So likewise shall mine elect be gathered from the four quarters of the earth. Yeah, that's kind of an odd. I'm like, huh? Odd so positive. Gathering us like carcasses. <laughs> like eagles but, to a carcass. <laughs> yeah, I was like, so one of our colleagues, I mentioned this to him, and he said, that's cool that he chose an eagle. Because he didn't choose a jackal. He didn't choose... Crows. Yeah, he's like, <laughs> an eagle that has power. An eagle that even Isaiah referred to as on, upon eagle's wings, yeah, right? Yeah. And then as I thought about it more, I thought, think about nature. And so this is what I wrote as I just pondered, just as sure as nature leaves nothing to waste away, God will gather his children with power and efficiency. Mm. Right, just, just like that, he will reach out to us and he will gather us no matter where we're at, whatever country we're in, whatever we're going through. If we are suffering from hunger right now, mm -hmm. if the insecurity of our financial future is completely in mm -hmm. question, mm -hmm if we are suffering with cancer and we have a loved one suffering with cancer, if we've recently gone through a divorce, if mm. whatever it might be, if we will remain faithful mm. and turn to our Savior Jesus Christ and believe in His coming, just like the signs of that fig tree or the leaves changing sure. in the fall, sure. that we can trust that a loving Father in heaven is mindful of every one of His elect children who are willing yeah. And it could be everyone. If everyone just would, they could be, yeah. right, gathered. Right. They would be gathered, and we're talking about gathering, we've been talking about the temple, right? The garner, in so many parables, is the temple. Yeah. To be gathered to that temple. Yeah. If you're preparing yourself for the temple, or you're thinking, I know I should be there, but I can't right now. Just go meet with your bishop. Mm -hmm. Meet with a trusted adult, or a, some other, you know, someone else in your life, a parent, a grandparent. Ask for that help that you need, and become yeah. Worthy, and remember that worthiness is not flawlessness. Yeah, you might be surprised that a a bishop might, in that meeting for repentance, say, "You need to be in the temple more." Yeah, right. I, th I think we've misunderstood so much about that, and yet sometimes it would be appropriate to say, "Yeah, you you need to take some time yeah. and prepare yourself, sure. and just trust that Heavenly Father so lovingly will, just like a stake president I once called to talk about a, a need of a student." who that stake president had never met. And to this day, I haven't, to be quite frankly. Mm. It's all happened over the phone. Mm. And when I said, hey, this is what they asked me to reach out to you, they asked for help. And the first thing he said was, I certainly hope that this young person knows that every promised blessing our Heavenly Father's ever made to them mm. is still available to them. Mm. And I just thought, that's the kind of church I want to be a part of. Now, I know not every priesthood leader is perfect. Sure. I know that some have sure. misjudged or been harsh. You know, those things have happened. But I just thought I'm so grateful to be a part of a church that believes in this, mm -hmm. in temples and the gathering of the house of Israel that were led by a prophet who has lived for so long on the earth and has given so much of his life to be a witness of Jesus Christ yeah. and continues to be. And he, he just loves us. Right, and he wants us to be. Yeah, I really love that. Be blessed. I, yeah, I love that. I, you know, it makes me it makes me consider a, a talk that I heard at a state conference in the YSA stake, uh, Boise YSA stake, just recently, where uh, he talked about the difference between sanctification and justification. Mm. And when you struggle and you have done stuff you shouldn't have done, and you need to go visit with the bishop and have a conversation, it is not because the bishop um, sanctifies you. 
you asking forgiveness from God and Christ's atonement sanctify you. And that happens immediately because you've asked. The three or six month or the year long process um, that a bishop might help you go through is not to be sanctified, it's to be justified. Hmm. Justified is an interesting word and it's not, it's not a word that indicates um, Christ is justifying your actions to God and making, making excuses for you. That's a way to use the word justified, but that's not mm -hmm. how it's intended. Justified like when we're in a Word document and we're typing up things and we write justify or we center mm. justify the words, that moves things into alignment together. Yeah. That's the purpose of priesthood leadership in helping us overcome trials and tribulations and sins in our life is to help us become justified back to Christ's position, right? And Christ's role is the sanctification of us, which again happens immediately as soon as we've asked. I think that's what you just said and what, what that good stake president obviously understood is exactly that, that all the blessings are still available. Yeah. We just have to help you get back on the path and that's what the process might take, but it's not about getting you clean, if you've right. asked for forgiveness, you've been cleaned, right? Right. It, it might take you a while to partake of the sacrament worthily again or whatever. Or but, to change some habits. or Because right. so right? it's really about becoming. Exactly. If, if Heavenly Father was a genie, then he'd say, <laughs> Done. there you go. Yeah. But it's not that. He's helping us to become like him. Right. And so then we have that help. And, you know, the scriptures talk about the secret combinations. And I've always thought about any time we think we need to act in secret, we're right. going the wrong direction. Yeah. Why does Heavenly Father say, talk to your parents, talk to a bishop, include someone else? We don't need to act in secret. For sure. We need help. And yeah. if it's changing our life, it's redirecting our course, we want help with that. Yeah. He doesn't want us to act alone. Yeah. And we will find loving help. It, just like we're being reminded here that our Heavenly Father, you think about it, this whole discussion today has really been about our Heavenly Father saying, okay, here's some of the terrible consequences, mm -hmm. the dreadful consequences mm -hmm. of choices that are going to happen on earth, and this is how it's going to play out. But let me tell you also about those who choose to look for me yeah. and to follow me. Look at these wonderful blessings yeah. that are going to be a part mm -hmm. of your life, even as you're surrounded by some of these things, but yeah. you will look forward to my coming with hope. You will witness miracles. Right. You will be directed in your life. You will receive guidance and comfort and you can have the constant companionship of the Holy Ghost with you, yeah. even as all of these things happen. Yeah. And I hope people listening know that. Yeah, that I love that. This is really what it's about. It's yeah. us looking forward with hope. It's looking to the scriptures and finding His words, evidence of His love, reasons why we can trust Him and believe in Him. And not, I love that, right? The Don't just believe in Him, believe Him. Right. Believe Him when He says, I am powerful enough to save you. Sure. I can still help you fulfill your divine and eternal destiny. Yeah. Trust me. Turn to me. Let me show you the way. Right. Yeah, Come to me. Yeah, and he asks us to do a little bit, right? Absolutely. Verse 37 of Joseph Smith, Matthew 1. Whoso treasureth up my words shall not be deceived. There's a little bit of requirement on us to have a little bit of faith. And if I have a little bit of faith and I read his words and I accept prophets' counsel and direction... I won't be deceived, for the Son of Man shall come, and he shall send his angels before him with the great sound of a trumpet, and they shall gather together the remainder of his elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. It is hopeful. The whole point of the second coming and all of the things that are coming and have happened was to humble us so that we can come back, so that we could turn, that, that, a, that a pandemic happened 
is not an accident. It was intentionally right. done or allowed so that man would humble themselves, so that man would look back to God and say, help me, help us, right? That we would all as a church, worldwide church, fast for this wonderful event to have taken place, which was getting the vaccines that we need and all the things that, that came for this thing to end as quickly as it ended. Um, man, what, what other evidence of faith and of those that treasure up the words of God uh, is there than seeing how the members of the church are reacting and acting when prophets say, hey, this is the next step, let's do this now, let's go there. Uh, it's, just, it's just so hopeful to me. Absolutely, and I, I love, you know, President Nelson was such a good example throughout that time. I'm sure you had this experience more than once during the pandemic when we're receiving so many different forms of counsel and direction from right. governments and, and church leaders, so many places, and I love that President Nelson would say, hey, here, here's what I'm gonna do. Yeah. Go pray about it. Meet with right. your doctor. You seek for him. He's, he's telling us, seek for that constant influence of the Holy yeah. Ghost and go make a decision that's right for you. Yeah. I love the fact that that could mean that some people wearing a mask at church and some people said that wasn't right for them, right. that some people got a vaccination and some people exactly. didn't. And yet we were led by a prophet saying, here's what I'm going to do and you go seek. Right. I love the people come and say, oh, I'm, why, why is he telling us this or that? Go, have you only read this on social media? Yeah. Because if you go read all of his words, he's not giving any kind of mandate. In no. fact, if you pay attention, he must intentionally avoid doing so. Sure. Because his invitations are exactly that, invitations yeah. for us to experiment, yep. for us to plant that seed and go find out for ourselves. Yeah. Because he knows we need to learn to do that for ourselves right. as we listen to and follow living prophets. And I, I just want to share my testimony really of the importance of looking forward to the coming of the Savior mm -hmm. with a positive attitude, looking to know those signs, just like the, the fig tree, right? Knowing that He is coming, believing in that coming will help us, right? His coming will help us prepare. Yeah. If we don't believe He's coming, then in so many of these parables, that's when we get caught unaware and unprepared. And yet, if we will, we will, along with President Nelson, Right, see our Savior and Redeemer. We'll look for Him, and we will see His mightiest works. Yeah. We will come to know Him. We'll see that He continues to direct, right, with our Heavenly Father, His church, with majesty and glory, and we will have the companionship of the Holy Ghost that we need. And we will, like Elder Anderson, look forward and say, this is gonna be breathtaking. Yeah. And we will be focused on those things. We'll yeah. be spending our time in places that we need to be, and regardless of our current circumstances, I think there's so many lessons to, to learn about having faith in Jesus Christ and deeply loving Him and trusting Him to help us in our current circumstances, mm -hmm. to come to know Him so that we can be prepared for His coming. Yeah, I love that. And, and I also love that that positive message that President Nelson shared in, in exact mirror of what we're reading and finding in the Scriptures is followed by a council of warning in a coming day, it will not be possible to survive without the, the Spirit, or revelation, right? That constant companion. It, it is just a testament to me that he is receiving from the other side of the veil counsel and direction for you and I, but that he's not saying, this is what you must do. That, like you referenced with the, with the vaccine, that he would send a picture of him getting, a, getting the vaccine. For some, softened their concern about its danger and its, mm. um, for others, I think, went the other direction. 
um, you know, this is such a dangerous thing. Why is he? Why is he doing right? And and we all have our agency to choose. Yeah. Right. And um, I'm grateful for that agency that he's allowing to remain in place in a time where we could just receive direction, like straight up. Yeah. Do it this way. And I think so many of us want that, but what we're learning is to, to really expand our thinking and to become on our own without the hand-holding that has maybe happened for so long in the church. I'm really grateful for that. Brother Featherstone, this has been fantastic. Um, if there was a message, um, just in closing here today, that you wanted young people, um, youth, young adults, uh, married, unmarried, uh, to know, to believe, to hold tight to, if there was a, maybe in connection with this, maybe it's separate and segregated out, um, what would you want them to to know, to think, to hold to, uh, to believe? Oh, what a great question. Probably can't say everything I'd like to, but as I think about anyone who might be listening, if they will take the time to really pay attention to the promptings of the Holy Ghost. Even if they say, I'm not sure what that even means. I'm not sure if I know how to do that. Just begin by prayerfully approaching your Heavenly Father and humbly ask Him for direction in your life. And trust that He is coming, that these signs are a witness that there is a God in heaven who is a source of truth and light and knowledge and all that is good. And He knows you, He loves you, He created you, and He continues to create you. Right? This purpose of our mortal journey is to continue that progress to become yeah. more like our heavenly parents. Yeah. As you prayerfully approach Him, He will direct you. And most importantly, I hope they know as they look forward to the coming of our Savior Jesus Christ that they are children of loving heavenly parents. And if they can get that truth deep into their hearts, that they have great eternal potential, divine potential, if they will nurture that truth and act upon it, then they will be blessed with insights and direction, with courage to do what they've never imagined, to be quite honest. Yeah. I know we've both experienced that in our own lives. Mm -hmm. And not it won't be perfect. There'll be ups and downs. There'll be, there'll be uh, refining experiences that say, okay, you've plateaued a little bit and right. it's time to learn more. Right. And yet, knowing that we are children of God makes all the difference as mm -hmm. we act upon that knowledge and seek for a witness for ourselves. And I just testify, He will communicate with you in a way that you can understand. Mm -hmm. And as you make the study of the scriptures, the words of the prophets, even about topics like this or whatever you're needing to study right now, you will be prepared for the coming of our Savior Jesus Christ and it will be glorious. And we are witnessing evidence of Him mm -hmm. all the time, right? Those miraculous indications that President Nelson referred to, that God the Father and His Son Jesus Christ preside over this church in majesty and glory, and that includes each individual child and their life. I just testify that's true in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Brother, thank you. We'll have you back on. Let's do it. It's good to be with this you. This is fun. Thanks.